final with me. What's up, buddy? Good to see you, dude. Good to see you, man. We took uh, we took last month off. Yeah, we hadn't taken a month off like ever. No, uh, it was our it was our first month off after like yeah. two dozen episodes or something. Yeah, so that was it was good. It was needed. Uh, just we were both busy, um, oh, and always good for a little refresh. But nice to be yeah. back. Well, I'm excited for today too because I think you know we're gonna be um, sort of doing something a little bit lighter today, which is lighter. I think I think necessary because you know I I just spent the morning publishing a piece on Israel Palestine uh, and I watched yeah. the Grace and Grit movie over the weekend yeah. and yeah. you know things have been heavy so <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> I, I mean figured let's let's kind of lighten up a little bit and uh, yeah I mean with the last. I mean, obviously we're still in the pandemic, uh, but obviously it's changing quite a lot and compared to the last year and then not to mention, at least for folks in the US, the politics of the whole last year too. It's just like, you know, we can take a little time to uncork. Yeah, yeah to uncork. <laughs> it's going gonna, gonna to take a little bit. So yeah, another light episode today, though we have some some other more in-depth stuff planned. Uh, yeah, for yeah, no, we'll, 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 we'll get back into the deep end eventually, but um, yeah, yeah. You no, know, I, I, I think this is a fun conversation. I mean, it's, it's a conversation I noticed that like, you know, as I'm starting to see people um, again, you know, and getting visitors and all that, it's sort yeah. of like the default conversation that that you turn to. Like, yeah. what have you been watching? What have you been enjoying? How yeah. have you been sort of occupying your time over yeah. the last year and a half of, you know, this sort of slow motion apocalypse that we've yeah. been a yeah. part of? Yeah. Um, so, totally. yeah, so it'll be good. And, and I think we've got some uh, some fun things to talk about today. Um, and I want to mention today that, you know, this is a, 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 a special week for, for me and my family. Um, hmm. Yesterday was actually a special day that we call Life Day, which mm. is the anniversary of my daughter's liver transplant, Aww. which she got seven years ago. She's eight Aww. years old now, and um, she's just, she's kicking ass, man. She's, uh, she's thriving. Awesome. What do you call the day again? Life Day. Happy Life Day. Yep. Yep. Happy Life and Day. She's, uh, you know, she, she really likes rainbows, so I bought her an LGBT cake <laughs> to celebrate Life Day. Perfect. That made her very happy. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Yay. That's beautiful. Yeah. So it's 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 a good week. Um, Yay. Yeah. So let's jump into it. So today we're going to be doing inhabit your entertainment. And, yeah. you know, Ryan, I think I think what we're going to do here um, is a few things is, you know, uh, first off, I think that, you know, we probably have a few things to say about how integral perspectives can sort of enhance and increase our enjoyment of mm-hmm. the world around us and of our culture and particularly pop culture. Mm, yep. um, you know, I think that there's sort of a, a deepening that that occurs um, at integral stages that, yeah. you know, your sort of your, your, your capacity for aesthetic appreciation um, just rapidly expands. Because you can suddenly see where sort of all these artifacts, yeah, where they live and how they relate to each other and sort right. of how we can kind of fold them together and how they inform our own sense of meaning and um, uh-huh. how we interpret the world and, yeah. and so forth. Um, so, yeah. you know, we can probably talk about that, like how we enact art and entertainment integrally. Yeah. Um, and then we can actually talk about just, you know, some of our favorite shows and music and movies and, yeah. you know, all these things that, um, again, I think Integral allows us uh, a, a, a particular kind of insight 
um, in a particular way of enjoying of, of enjoying yeah. um, these cultural products. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this, man. Yeah, this is a fun one. And, and like you said, it's just nice to tor- turn towards, uh, you know, we say entertainment, um, which is an interesting word that we have. Um Cause it's like, what's art and what's entertainment, you know, like we use those two different words, but colloquially they kind of mean different things, but in part of it, you know, in, in terms of our economic system, these words mean different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like do you pay for something or not pay for it um, and what form it takes. But, you know, sometimes entertainment, we can lose a lot of meaning in there because it just sounds, Oh, it's just entertainment, you know, right. it's superficial, but that's not true. It could be that that's sometimes very, very true. And we can enjoy that it can be totally valid enjoyment to appreciate something superficial, but there's a lot of forms of entertainment that also are really deep and, and meaningful as well. Yeah. So, and when we're in crisis, it can be hard to like really appreciate art, you know, as fundamental as art is that I believe, you know, to, to life it's, you know, if, if you're having an emergency, you know, you're not thinking about art in that moment. You think about solving emergency. We've been quite emergency mode the last year you know so turning towards this which is a very important dimension of being human this artistic expressiveness that we we have to us inherently you know it's important so so it's not just like it is uncorking be like fuck just want to relax and like watch watch some tv or whatever that's true too and it's kind of like no like we can breathe a little bit and and re-return to to this as part of who we are you know so. yeah well and there's sort of a descending move too yeah um, descending this, you know, you know yeah. like like let's just enjoy ourselves yeah you know, just a little bit let's let's yes. allow ourselves to to feel joy and to have you know a little yeah. bit of fun and you know i I, yep. I think it's it's no mystery that when this pandemic began what did people do well one of the things that you know almost everyone i know did is they watched tiger king on on netflix i I totally did that which was just this totally bizarre sort of distraction from again just the gravity of everything that we were we were walking through um yeah so it's it it, it's it's important and you know we should say that um never before in history has there been a more entertained society than ours oh yeah for sure i mean it's crazy when you think about how completely surrounded we are by entertainment and by by leisure basically. yeah yeah almost prob- probably i mean it's like uh pros and cons there i mean like overall it's good you know so there's so much more freedom and possibility with art um but you know the the our ability to really appreciate it can can wane you know uh, it's kind of interesting like the re- recent things about nfts in the crypto world which Y'all, you probably have heard some of it because it's made big, big news, but some, we won't get into the technical details, but just digital form of art through cryptocurrency and being sold for bajillions of dollars, you know, it's like, what does that do to our, our perception of, <laughs> of, of art? Um, but we do have a ton of access to it. I mean, just surrounded by it, like at the click of a button, YouTube, Spotify, Google images, you know, yeah. just like those three alone how much do you have access to in this yep. moment? And uh, which is great in terms of diversity, it's nuts. Like, in, like you can find the just perfect song for you in this moment, love what exists out there. You can find that niche song or that niche show um, way more than you could a long, long time ago. But the appreciation is quite different, I think, because, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was bananas to go see like 
a, a symphony or something, oh, right? Yeah. It was just like, like that was a big deal. And most likely, I don't know, some historians, if there are any historians listening to this, you can tell us, but just my sense is that like probably people learned how to create art on their own a little bit more like the you know family member who could play a little music you know because that was the only way you could get it so there was a lot of personal connection like oh dad or grandpa grandma or whoever played a little bit because that was you couldn't just turn on youtube and you couldn't afford to go to the the symphony you know unless you were were rich but now it's different you don't have to pay anything (laughs) that's right and you have access to amazing art amazing you really do and you know a whole lot of crap as well Um, and a whole lot of crap you know and 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 this is actually i think um one of the for me anyway one of the emergence um that comes out of the integral stage and how it allows us to appreciate art is because yes we can acknowledge that there is just a a ton of crap out there right but we can also recognize in ourselves how what the effects are of being so immersed in entertainment culture pretty much all the time when we are just perpetually surrounded by a billion tv shows on a thousand different platforms and a thousand different video games and you know this endless cascade of streaming music and you know i think one of the things it sort of does to us is you know i made a joke to you um a couple days ago uh it kind of turns us into these like entitled roman emperors and yeah you know we just have this attitude of like entertain me yeah you know and 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 if this isn't entertaining enough i'm gonna have you publicly executed right i mean it sort of turned us all into little entitled assholes in a certain kind of way um and integral i think helps us kind of break out of that to where we can watch something or we can listen to something or we can play a game or what have you and we might have our own you know, critiques, our own criticisms, like, yep. oh, you know, I maybe it could have been more like this and it is like that. But what I notice yeah. is that when I engage, you know, a piece right. of art, chances are if I'm spending time with a piece of art, I'm getting something out of it, right? And that's what I really want to lead with yeah. when I enact something and when I, when I sort of share my enjoyment of a piece with other people. I, yeah. I feel like we live in this culture where because you know, it's pop culture, which is sort of by necessity, this strange mixture of art and commerce, right? Yeah, Um, right. It's not just free floating art out there that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you're you're being asked to oftentimes put money down in order to have a particular artistic experience. And I think this is what drives sort of a certain level of cynicism in our, in our culture and how we, you know, engage art. And it really does turn us into like, oh, you know, I'm comparing this artifact to some imaginary artifact that I have in my head. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. size up, then I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to bitch and moan about it um, yeah. to other people. And, yeah. you know, the, to me, I think this, this informs, again, it's just a different way of going about appreciating versus criticizing art. Like, you know, yeah. um, I, I think a lot of people, when they do sort of, you go to pitchfork.com or you go yeah. to a lot of, you know, sort of the yeah. new sites Radio out sites. there, right. it's almost like they're starting from a cynical place of, of wanting to dislike something, right? It's like, yeah, it's like we define our taste in negative space. It's well, it's just so a lot about- easier. It's a lot easier. Like if you imagine writing an article, like that's probably critics define themselves that way because it's like, if I just write really good things about an appreciation, it's like, how sticky is it? You know, but right. like, if I got some shit to say that's negative, then oh, even better. So yeah. So there's the commerce side driving, driving criticism. I mean, right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's like when I engage a piece of art, it's almost like I start, I try to anyway, I try to start from a place of like good faith 
Mm-hmm. And I try to remember that this artistic expression is coming from an actual human being. Yeah. And that human being might read what I have to say about their art. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want it. So there's a relationship there. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we hold art as being, you know, it's like this, this object. It's only an object yeah. of awareness. And we don't realize that there's, there's a subject, usually a tremendously sensitive subject sitting mm-hmm. behind that artifact trying to bring it into the world well warts and all yeah you know and it's like it's tied up with some of the things we said there i mean um like the like being a roman uh, you know that you said being like on spotify like i have all these songs like bring me another i dislike <laughs> this one because <laughs> right. i have more it's just like okay um and then you know um i don't know the cynicism is there too uh, through permeating it all you know um yeah it makes it hard to to just appreciate that there is somebody there because so here's the thing if the if uh creators are creating sometimes in a way that are fueled by cynicism which can happen right it's like you're part of a very cynical industry whether it's a music industry uh hollywood you can create and from a cynical place and then you get this like cycle cynical creation cynical consumption of it and then kind of spirals out a bit i think it's it's interesting because like with an artist who's like a painter, there's one person and it's easier to sense that, that relationship. Yeah. Maybe it's a musician and it's one person, same thing, or just a small group. It's four people, five people, whatever uh, TV and movies. It's a whole nother thing because yeah. the number of people involved is banana. Same thing with being yep. huge. And you have a big mix because you have maybe like the creator of TV shows, incredibly passionate. Usually it's a very passionate person about the art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and actors and all the people who are creatively part of it, but then you got the the executive branch, you know, the 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 um, company who owns it, who's funding it, who wants to see results, who wants to market it, all this stuff, and it's impossible to take that out of the show too, right. right? So you get those elements that are not really about the art, but again, right now necessary to execute and bring it to fruition. It's mixed in there, and so then, and that's even easier with TV, I think, to get really cynical about that and uh, just not feel like there are creators on the other end of it you know right so it's like no it's part of this cynical machine that we're a part of whether we know it or not of capitalism and you know in its worst form and uh so sure i can shit all over this movie or tv show right much easier than doing it on a uh one single musician you know that's right that's right and, and obviously that scales too because you know yeah. um one of the things that we're going to talk about for example is the uh the grace and grit movie yeah, which was a production and involved a lot of people, but it's a you know because it, it's a more independent release. That means it had a smaller team, which means that you know folks like Sebastian Siegel, the director, uh, you know, had more creative control, and therefore yeah. we can say you know this is more his baby. Yeah, um, well, that's something that you like and I an know. Movie yeah, but the thing is that you and I know that, but I think that people do treat like a movie like that just the same. So like if it has a sheen of yeah. a well produced which more and more that's easier and easier. Um, be, the bar is set lower, you know, because we have better equipment that costs less. It's still costly to make a movie like that. But people don't know. It's just like, hell if I know, could 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 have been somebody else with a lot of money funding it to get some money out of it. You know, who knows how big the team is, but I know you and I know that that was much more of a passionate project with fewer people who really, really loved and cared, cared about right. it, you know? That's right. It's funny, this conversation actually reminds me of um, just a few days ago, I watched uh, one of my favorite movies again. Uh, it's a movie that I'm strangely obsessed with, hmm. um, Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. Um, and, nice. you know, it's, it's a fascinating movie because it's, it's, 
there's a streak of authenticity that runs through this movie, largely because the production of the movie was so chaotic and mm. was so kind of crazy. You know, it was sort of this this mm. new like fast times at Ridgemont High that launched a thousand careers. I mean, it's crazy when you rewatch that movie and you see how many people got their start with this film you know ben affleck and parker posey and you know i mean it's matthew mcconaughey and so many folks got their start with this movie but the the actual making of the movie was this messy um you know really chaotic affair where you had you know the director uh what's his name uh linklater i think it was oh yeah who has this vision right and he's trying to execute the the vision and uh-huh. yeah, it's his first movie where he got big funding from, you know, from Universal, I think it was. And so, you know, right away, when you get big funding, what's the yeah. first thing they do? They start sort of cutting at your vision yeah. and trying to edit it down and pare it down. But <laughs> what was interesting about this production was that the production itself was so sort of organic to the point where like actors were, were you know, giving notes on their own lines, which is kind of unheard of, yeah, in, right. you know, in those circles. And um, you know, oftentimes they didn't know what they were going to shoot the next day. They're kind of figuring it up and scrambling and they're creating a bigger role for yeah. Matthew McConaughey. And, you know, they're doing yeah. all this stuff sort of in real time as they're casting the movie or as they're as they're filming the movie. And that actually, again, it, it, there's a rawness to that. There's an organicness to that, that that I think brought in this streak of authenticity. And one of the things that was really, mm. you know, that really struck me while watching it is you can't make this movie today. You can't yeah. make a movie like this where your process is so kind of yeah. chaotic and organic and all that. Everything right. needs to be like yeah, fully fleshed out before you even get, you know, your right. first penny of funding from yeah. from somebody. Um right. so right. it's you know, it's it's interesting to revisit, you know, films from 20, 25, 30 years ago and just seeing how the industry itself has changed over. Yeah, here. totally. And now like um it's really interesting like with netflix and hbo you know when hbo especially was really focused on incredibly high-end content kind of no matter what like we're going to create really 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 good shows we're not about cranking out multiple multiple shows just high quality shows um and netflix was kind of like that i think at first as well you know much more diversity of like shows that existed elsewhere but like even their first shows that they were creating much higher uh much stronger focus on creating high quality content but now both of them are moving towards the idea of more is better, you know, than, than mm-hmm. the quality, which again is going to feed into it. Like we can experience that as users, like as viewers, you know, that if we don't experience like something that just blows us away and says, you know, leave our jaw open or leave us bent over laughing so hard, we can't take it, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like, well, it feeds into itself, you know, mm-hmm. just like I st- I'm starting to get a little cynical about like, I'm just, they're not going to, they're going to cancel all the good shows. Netflix has done that multiple times in the last I've few years. Netflix like, is known for that. <laughs> where shows are amazing. It's like, wow, you guys knocked it out of the park. That's amazing. But then they're like, nope. And it's like, okay, well, how long am I going to have faith that you, that you all are going to put out a show that's quality and that will be around for more than a season um, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really interesting how that changes. Cause like, you, I think it goes to what you said, like you need to have it all put together and it's a little bit more going towards sugar, you know, of like less substance, yeah. but gives you the feeling, you know? Right. Um, but it's interesting too, because at the same time, oddly enough, I would have never thought this a decade ago, Disney plus is like cranking out some really interesting shows and in some in kind of different short season formats where I'm, I'm, 
I'm really liking them, you yep. know? And so I who the hell would have thought that I've been watching a, a Disney channel. Hey man, Loki's coming out this, this Friday. I, I'm, I know I'm, I saw it. I'm really stoked for it. I'm really stoked for it. And you know what I want to say, the other thing um, about TV and film for me, you know, I, I went to uh, music school. So musicians, music has been a, a big home for me, but I would still say that film and television is like one of the most, highest art forms because it incorporates everything that's right visual uh music design performance i mean it's all put into one and it, and obviously it can turn out horrifically you know because you have so many ways in which it could be bad um but when it's good it's just like wow yep. like it's amazing what we yeah. can create i feel i feel a similar way about uh video games video games video games too yes probably the most multidisciplinary yes. sort of um I agree. Art, art form out there right now yeah i agree um, that requires a thousand people just to, just to, you know. And there, it's the one place where it seems like all in on quality and depth of, of the game is still reigning supreme, not a cranking out method. Like, that's why we'll be like, how, when is this game going to come out? Right. They're still developing. They're still <laughs> developing it. So the video games industry has that going for it still where uh, there is like a little bit of the trash gaming. Like I think like, you know, Apple trying to create their little gaming platform, which I still, I they keep seeing it like join the arcade. I'm like, no, these look lame. These games uh, look yeah, lame. I'm not going to lie. I joined it and there's a couple games on there. I like, do you like, well, I, I wasn't doubting that there will be some games on there, but I'm just like not enough for me to like invest when there are right. other amazing games out there, you know? Right. Well, yeah. someone, uh, someone asked a question. And I want to respond to it. Oh. Um, earlier than later um because i think it's sort of it forms the, the i think the foundation of the show so we asked uh this session is described yep. as a practice-based series designed to help you embody your own unique expression of integral being yep. what's happening here what is the point of your conversation about entertainment yeah um thank you for the question joshua and you know i just want to say that appreciating and enacting art whether we know it or not is a practice it's a practice actually yeah. that we are perpetually engaged in mm -hmm. we are engaging and appreciating art at almost every minute of our because again our lives are so saturated with entertainment and with art and with various cultural products and i think that living an integral life it means exactly that i mean it means living a fully comprehensively integral life which means you are bringing these perspectives to everything that you experience um, whether it's, you know, watching Sharknado and, you know, yeah. or it's watching a film like Grace and Grid, or it's losing yourself in a fantasy series like Lord of the Rings, yeah. whatever it is, there's, there is an opportunity for us to bring more consciousness, more awareness, and, and we can notice how integral ideas and perspectives actually open up new channels of meaning within a particular artwork. So an integral, you know, someone who is at, you know, has an integral uh, center of gravity, who's looking at a given piece of art, no matter where we locate that piece of art on the spiral, they are going to have a different enactment of that piece of art than someone at a, you know, with a different cosmic address. Yeah, um, this is sort of one of the wonderful mysteries of art and how, yeah. how we receive it. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, we can either receive art unconsciously yeah. Or we can do it consciously. And I think that, you know, I, I actually encourage people to do a little bit of both. I mean, I'm not saying we have to be so high minded when we're when we're sort of, you know, trying to have a good time and, you know, tuning out with a movie or whatever. But like, 
you know, again, that just just bringing a little bit of integral sensibility to these things, you, you start to notice things that you might not have have otherwise noticed. Yeah. And thanks, Corey. That was great. And so I, I would extend this a little bit. I kind of mentioned earlier, but expression is fundamentally part of who we are. Um, so in realization process from Jay Blackstone, teacher with that, um, we, we can attune uh, to the quality of our voice, you know, and usually it's done here, quality of our expression, but we express ourselves in so many ways. And um, we can have constrictions and fragmentation in our being around expressing ourselves. And art is the word we give to the like most pure creative expression of ourselves in the line where we draw between what is art and not, you know, it's not important, but yeah. So one is like touching into this conversation about art uh, as part of who we fundamentally are express, uh, expressive beings, and then not getting caught up in the word entertainment, because that's the word we use a lot. And art, it's like, what, what is art? What's entertainment? And people have all kinds of different definitions, but I would argue that it's all gets put into the same bucket and we're just what we've been talking about is talking about the range of of depth and, and appreciation and cynicism all these things about these different forms that it can take but that's part of the conversation so is cynicism a fragmentation of our being yeah and that gets reflected in art and how we create the art and how we um uh, take it in um <clears throat> i also would say from an integral perspective i think that art is one of the most amazing places where we work out our shit as a society, because it's, it's unregulated. It's not, it's not refereed in a, in a, in a foundational way. It is, you know, we have FCC in the United States, we have Twitter and people talking about, we have reviews, but really like people can just create, I mean, like even in the United States, the uh, right to free speech is like, we have that built into our system and it's a big deal. And so like, you know, you can create whatever you want. Um, and because of that, we can work out our issues and we often do, we create movies, we do stand-up comedy, um, we create music. And this is how we talk about what are we experiencing right now? So inhabit that. I want to inhabit fully what's happening right now as imperfect as it might be and give voice to it. Because if I can't give voice to it, it's subject to me. It's not an object to me. And that's a big deal about integrals, turning objects into subjects so we can evolve and mature and grow. So we have to inhabit what the hell's going on. And it's often done done beautifully by just expressing like don't think about it just tell me what you're feeling pissed off happy empty full whatever manic you just say what's going on and express that in art because art doesn't require you to like be perfect or have it figured out um and so through that yeah we we evolve it's like that's where we're evolving through whether we know it or not but we can dumb it down by using only the word entertainment by only focusing on oh entertainment and netflix so why are we talking about this stuff well that's just the form that we're taking right now that's our evolution right now that's us it's not not part of us that's part of us so that's part of the the outer reflection so um yeah beautifully the, said. that's what i would say about like you know oh the last thing even if it is about fun Fun is part of being human. And so this is very common amongst people who get super spiritual uh, or super integral is taking things way too seriously. And actually what I'll say is that integral, my experience, like Ken brings in a sense of humor. Like in his writings, he would talk deeply and passionately, but I always appreciated how he would also be humorous. He would yeah. be, he would be funny. And it was like, oh, we can be really deep and crack a joke and have a beer. Wow. That's different. So here I'd say inhabit your recreation, inhabit your fun. And if that feels weird, then that's a fragmentation because recreation is part of who we are. It, but as we mentioned, we've been in crisis mode and some people may be in 
completely in crisis mode still in this moment. Um, in which case recreation and fun is out of the picture, but that's a pain. It's a pain point if that can't be part of who we are because it is part of who we are. So beautifully said. Uh, yeah. And just look at that word recreation, yeah. recreation. Uh, yeah, nice. Think yeah. of recreation as like, oh, I'm kind of tuning out or I'm I'm sort of, you know, setting all this down. No, what yeah. you're actually doing is, again, whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously, you are always recreating the products of the culture that you find yourself situated in. And guess yeah. what, guys? Pop culture, at least for, you know, you and I, Ryan, living here in the United States in the 21st century, yeah. pop culture is our culture. Warts yeah. and all. And, you know, one of the one of the common things that I one of the common ways that I describe pop culture is in many ways, this is mysticism wrapped in cellophane. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can find all stages, all lines, all, you know, states of consciousness. All of this can be found in various cultural artifacts that we are surrounded by. And sort of the fun part is, you know, playing that connect the dots where you can kind of constellate your favorite artifacts, which you, uh, you know, in turn Uh, recreate in your own life um, in terms of how you engage the world, how you interpret the world and how you how you bring more novelty back into the world. All of this is informed by the art that we're surrounded by and that we are constantly consuming um, during our waking hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that's that's helpful, Joshua. Um, he said he said thank you. Then I think yeah he, yeah that was a good good question. Yeah, totally. And yeah. so so maybe you know you you just mentioned Ken. Yeah. And you mentioned um, <laughs> his his <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. And sometimes does. that sense of humor um, is used to sort of to bring out the depth, to sort of give contrast to depth. And, um, you know, one of the one of the big cultural events in Integral Land, uh, one of the biggest events that we've had in a long time is the release this past weekend of the Grace and Grit movie, hmm. which is a tremendously um, powerful film. Very powerful, hmm. very sweet, very, um, you know, very deep and moving. Hmm. And also in places, damn funny right um i think they did such an amazing job of capturing ken's sort of cagey personality (laughs) you know Stuart townsend i mean absolutely just knocked it out of the park with his his representation of ken wilbur it's a little bit harder to gauge um mina savari's representation of treya just because we don't have a lot of footage of trey i've known ken for 20 years i can watch this and i can compare it to the ken i know and be like man really you really kind of nailed this. But when I talked to Ken in a couple of weeks um, about his experience of watching mm, the movie, yeah, one of the questions I'm going to have for him is, you know, I, I can see you in this movie, Ken, because I know you. Was that mm. Treya? Did, you know, was Treya mm. captured by mm. uh, Mina Savari's performance? I'll be really, really curious. Um, yeah. What is what his take is? But did you watch the movie, Ryan? I haven't got to watch it yet. Um, I uh, really want to. I'm going to 100 watch it because the book was just one of my favorites. You know, like as many people will say, it's so much love and beauty in there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I did see. I was really interested to hear some of the reactions, and uh, you know, I'm glad we started a conversation with this because uh, you know, the only I saw only two professional critic reviews of it, and they're both just shit on it. You know, yeah. um, but and so part of that, you know, from an integral perspective, because so it's great that I haven't seen it, you have, because we can really have it both of those perspectives, that um, the criticisms that I saw, one was from New York Times and the other one was from Variety. And um, I'm, I would be certain, certain that 
this doesn't mean that the, that the movie is good. What I'm about right to say, but I, I discount their 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 criticism because, and we have to be careful with this in the integral community, the being arrogant and dismissing people on being like you're not integral enough. But here, I would say that like to appreciate grace and grit, you know, you're going to have to one be able to inhabit an integral level of development, mm-hmm. and the spiritual waking up side sufficient enough because otherwise it's none of it will make sense. Like by default, it could be the best movie ever, but if you can't appreciate it because it's not your cosmic address, you know, at the moment, it's going to seem like garbage no matter what. Yep. So like part of it was kind of like, I don't know that these people, based on what they said, particularly based on what they said, actually, it wasn't just that they didn't like it, but it's like the things they said, I'm like, I doubt you even meditate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a kind of thing. So it's kind of like, oh, isn't that interesting? You even meditate, bro. Do you even meditate, bro? Dude, did I, <laughs> I tell you about that? Like Vince and I had a whole thing like where we want to do these series. Like, do you even meditate? <laughs> that was one response. <laughs> do you even, what's the original one? Do you even lift weights or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> do you, bro. No, yeah, all that's totally true. And, you know, and I'll talk about the New York Times um, yeah. sort of reception. <laughs> yeah, your review I'll, was different I'll, because you can... Yeah, you know, take the perspective. Right. So that's right. Well, and and then I want to you know share maybe um, my own review of yeah. That'd be great. Maybe we can see so sort of some of the differences here because yeah. you know my impression of the New York Times review was um that this was almost like we, you could have predicted this review. I yeah, mean, right. Just for decades, auto generate it. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> for decades, Ken Wilber's main critici- criticism of the New York Times uh-huh. specifically and mainstream media in general is that they have exactly two categories for spirituality. It's either crazy religious fundamentalism. Yes. Or it's or crazy wacko woo new yeah, age. Yeah, that's it. And when they sort of- It's a very rational uh, orientation. Yeah, the, no, that, that's, that, that's right. Rational level and, development, yeah. yeah. And whenever an, another sort of form of spirituality comes down the line, they don't know- where to put it and gotta it, be in one of the two buckets it kind of pisses them off and you know honestly we saw the mm-hmm. same sort of reception yeah. to um the two other movies that played you know my, my two of my favorite movies which played with the same themes as grace and grit yeah. and they're actually the two movies that we included in our amazing episode about um you know using film yeah, yeah. To go through the spiral um right. you know th- that we use for turquoise and those movies are the fountain yeah and cloud atlas yeah, Both was... of which also included a number of signifiers yeah. for which many people who watched the movies did not have the reference, right? Yeah. And when you experience signifiers <laughs> yeah. for which you have no signified, usually our reaction to that is somewhat hostile. Yeah, can I interject one example real quick? Yeah, Just yeah, to in, yeah. like one for me. Like if you had a movie where it was a bunch of jokes about calculus, I'm not going to get it. Right. I don't know. I don't do calculus. Right. And I'll, and I might not be aware enough to say that, you know, and maybe like this movie sucks, but it's just like, I don't know calculus. That's why it sucks. Yep. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to maybe contrast, you know, again, I think it, it, it proves the point that we enact art differently. Yeah. According to our cosmic addresses. So I wanted yeah. to share, if that's okay with you, Ryan, I want to share yeah. my own yeah, absolutely. appreciation of, yeah. of grace and grit, which is coming from my cosmic address. Yeah. Um, using, cool. you know, sort of my own reference um, in relation to, you know, the, the main ideas and the signifiers that I saw being conveyed in the movie. Um, so this was actually, um, I wrote this uh, to Sebastian Siegel, the director, um, on Friday night after watching. And I was actually, 
I was so floored after watching the movie that I spent mm. you know probably two two hours or so um, crafting this this appreciation. Nice. Um, let's you know let's see what other yeah. people think. Yeah. So uh, this will take a few minutes. So bear with me. So I just finished watching. What a blessing! All I can say is thank you to Sebastian Siegel so much for bringing this into the world. It's such a beautiful tribute to Treya, to Ken, and most notably to the love that they shared. Hearing Ken's voice at the end turned me into a puddle. Now all I want to do is drive down to Denver to give him a big hug and tell him how much I love him. The movie actually makes me feel closer to Ken, and that alone is such a gift. So thank you to everyone who made this movie for that. It really strikes me how much this movie was set within that invisible second person betweenness that Ken and Treya had, and how rare it is to see that so well executed in film. Mina and Stuart were both perfect in their roles. I honestly cannot imagine better casting. But beyond their individual performances, it was that chemistry between them that really made this movie so special and such a fitting shrine to Ken and Treya's love. I also really appreciate and admire Sebastian's directing. It felt to me like the film unfolded as a series of memories assembled in a purposeful way, which is evocative of the book itself, of course, as a series of journal entries assembled and edited in order to tell a story that would be meaningful for other people. So I appreciated that as an homage to the original book, but it was also evo evocative of something far deeper and nearer, the ground of being itself. The directing style seemed to reflect one of Ken's lines from the film. Uh, quote, perhaps you, like most people, feel that you are basically the same person you were yesterday. You probably also feel that you were fundamentally the same person you were a year ago. Put another way, you never remember a time when you weren't you. In other words, something in you seems to remain untouched by the passage of time. Your mind, your body, your feelings all have changed with time but you know that something has not changed. Something feels the same, unquote. This film evokes a similar state for me. We are all different people at different moments in our lives. And yet we know that something seems to remain untouched by the passage of time. This movie reveals the parts of us that are touched and the parts that remain forever untouched. Postmodern movies are self-referential. Post-postmodern movies, like this one, are capital S self-referential. The directing style seems to be holding a mirror to consciousness itself and how we remember our own lives, not to mention how we remember our favorite films, not as a linear sequence from A to B to C like an Avengers movie, but as a poetic flow of contrasting scenes, feelings, interactions, and tones, all constellated by our own interior patterns of meaning making and projected onto the empty screen of witness consciousness. This is how the film presented itself to me as a purposeful series of shifting memories and behind and between every scene, <clears throat> both love and ground shine forth. Every scene, every transition, every fade to black and fade to white is lit with radiant emptiness. Love and transcendence, impermanence and eternity, passionate equanimity. These are the central themes of grace and grit that caused so many people to fall in love with the book. And I'm so satisfied with how they come through in this film. I absolutely loved this movie. It's a precious gift, an absolutely stunning tribute to Treya, to Ken, to love, and to ground. 
So congratulations to Sebastian and to everyone involved in bringing this story to life. You've helped make this world just a little more beautiful, a little more loving, and a little more wise than it was before. P.S. It was, here's my criticism, <laughs> it was jarring to hear a Stuart Davis song coming out of someone who did not have Stu's famous queen news of the world face. But I get it. You can't have too many bald-headed ectomorphs in one movie. That's funny. Yeah. So uh, that is my hopefully non-spoilery uh, review yeah. of Grace and Grip. Yeah, yeah, lovely, man. Very beautifully said. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I would love to, you know, we have a thread in the community, um, Integral Life community. We're inviting other folks who've watched the movie to uh, share some of their own reflections. And, you know, uh, criticisms are fine. Um, I think all of that is fine. But, you know, for me, I really wanted to start from a place of appreciation. You know, again, like I was saying earlier, yeah. I tend to approach these things. Um, you know, I kind of start with 100 points and I deduct from there, whereas a lot of reviewers, I feel like they start at zero and and the artifact has to earn points. <laughs> well, yeah. And you got to wonder, it's like with these critics, like they're just doing their job where like, well, like, why are you watching this movie? You know For what sure. I mean? Like if I had to watch movies that just didn't call to me to watch, I'm probably not going to write as good a review, you know? And so it's kind of a funny thing to make that your job. And like, there are some good reviewers out in the world who really give it their all but you know i think it's gotta be hard to just like i'm gonna review everything and come right. up with good reviews <laughs> right. i was seeing on online that the audience reviews are are really good overall yeah i think it's it's got like a 95 percent audience rating yeah right now. 96 on rotten tomatoes on amazon there's you know now a handful in there and so yeah it looks to be like even just reading through some of the reviews too uh, real quick here and look seeing some of the phrases in your review that there's probably it, it's probably certain that it's not like what the the critics say like where it's just like total garbage worthless it's like no way like because of how touched people really are you right. know watching it it's like come on if it was really bad there'd be it'd be impossible for people to be you know touched deeply by it that's right yeah yeah so i'll be curious ryan when you watch it um yeah whether I'm, you resonated with with my own sort of enactment of no the... i you know it's interesting because obviously like um we're in a unique position as maybe some of our listeners viewers here are um, where we probably read the book, you know, a long time ago, maybe multiple times. Um, we've appreciated Ken's work, maybe even know him, you know, things like that. And uh, um, so we feel really connected to it, you know, so to see that there's going to be bringing to life something really near and dear to our heart. So I just imagine it's going to be hard not to be touched, you know, and, you know, there's always like, I think like if a person is really, I think with film and television, here's what's interesting. Even with a good faith, taking good faith, I think a lot of people just aren't equipped to make objective criticisms or critical feedback because you don't understand what goes into the process. Like, and I've been a part of a little bit, right? Like I've helped with the television show with Stuart Davis, Sex God, Rock and Roll. And like, I mean, one, if you can't even list off, like say, five to 10 positions that go into 10 roles that go into making a movie, how can you possibly provide criticism? You know, is it the writing? Is it the editing? Is it directing? Is it the casting? Is it the set design? Is it like, what was it? And the direction is almost always the thing that feels most mysterious because it's like, how does one point to the director? People who are really familiar with film can do that, but usually people can only point towards actors and maybe the, the lines they're using, the, the screenplay. 
So that's just something to know, you know. That's right. And and but if you can, there could be feedback, right? Saying like, how could it have been executed better, you know? But you have to differentiate the execution versus like the heart of what's being put on the screen, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah very well said. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, I, 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 to resonate with what you're saying, I just want to be clear with people. As I was watching the movie and as I was writing this piece, I was very aware that like I cannot see this objectively. I just can't. I can't watch this movie objectively. Like I've known Ken too long. Like it hits different when you know the guy. You know, I don't what think I mean? anybody. I would say, like in being integral, nobody can watch it purely objectively. That's a myth of, of rationalism. It's just like what is our subjectivity we're bringing in. So our subjectivity is understanding the story and knowing the people, having that connection. Like you said, that there are real people behind this. Like this is a real story from somebody near and dear to us who lost their partner. Yep. This is a real story, and these are real people who care about it. So we have that and, and the subjectivity of the critics who do that, they have none of that. And, and probably, and they um, maybe don't have the requisite depth and experience to even appreciate it. Even if it was, even if they would have given it a, a beautiful review, if, if they could, you know. Well, and so. I think that's just one example of how, you know, again, sort of the integral altitude can invite fresh takes, fresh perspectives. You can see a few things that you maybe yeah, may not have noticed five or 10 years ago um, before sort of your own integral consciousness came into maturity. And, you know, one of the things I noticed, Ryan, is that this, this applies both to integral, quote unquote, integral works of art that are out there, of which, let's just say, there are very few. There's not a whole lot of integral yeah. artifacts in our culture, at least yeah. not, you know, uh, exerting a whole lot of influence at this no, point. No, it's, it's that'll, not possible. That'll change, right? Over time, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. Yep. Um, right now, we're still in sort of our postmodern meta phase. Where yeah, really. We are. Very meta. And, you yeah. know, I love that. <laughs> um, and again, I, I do sort of think that yeah. one of the dividing lines between postmodern art and um, integral art is, is you know, one of my phrases from, from my appreciation, postmodern art really is self-referential. You create a piece of art and yes, it is. that artifact exists within the artifact. It refers yeah. to itself. It's sort of yep. eating its own tail. Yes. Integral I think turns that circle into a sphere, yeah. um, right? And it's still self-referential, but no longer lowercase l. It's not an artifact referencing an yeah. artifact. It's actually an artifact that is that is reflecting consciousness itself. It's mm. actually showing you something important about your own interior experience right now. And those have always been some of the most powerful films. Um, now, oftentimes, again, you only see that in sort of this, you know, thin little layer of integral art that exists in the world. But one of the other things about the integral sensibility that I just really, really grown to appreciate, and I think you and I have talked about this before, Ryan, is, yeah. is how it, again, it deepens your appreciation of like everything else. Yeah. Like art doesn't need to be integral in order for you to extract meaning and enjoy the, it. Yeah, this is a... This is probably the most important point to me totally. is that like, cause at that point you can get freed up. It doesn't mean that we have to be careful that like, it doesn't mean that like um, our perceptions of everything is accurate and perfect and good, but it really does open a door of appreciation. So like if I watch, you know, I watch a movie that's more traditional or whatever, you know, mythic sociocentric kind of thing. I can, if it's a good movie, I can appreciate it and be like, that's what it's supposed to be. That's the form it takes. Okay, great. If it's a movie that's just super stupid, I'd be like, it's, that's what it is. It's a super stupid movie. And that's what I'm in the mood for. Like, you you can appreciate the the art at different levels for what it is, you know, because those, that's, that's within us. It's not something that we transcend and get rid of, transcend and include. So 
makes it easier. You can appreciate it. Now we've still, you know, long for, for content at wherever we're at, you know what I mean? Like, so if we're relatively mostly at integral kind of level of development, we're going to want that kind of content, but you know, we don't have to be limited and, and exclude right. everything else. And it just makes it much wider possibility for enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I sort of tend to divide the integral sensibility into two buckets. There's sort of integral emergent, right? And that would describe like integral art made right. by integral people for yeah. integral people. Yeah. As example. Yeah. Then you have sort of integral as universal donor, right? Because there's this recognition that ah, all, that's a great phrase. Great. Right? All nice. previous stages are part of my anatomy somehow. So all art is speaking to some piece of myself, whether it's the highest piece of myself or the lowest part of myself or somewhere in between, art is speaking directly to some facet of my being um, right now. Again, no matter, no matter if it's mm. Cloud Atlas or Arrival or Tiger King, this is all speaking to some part of you. Some part of you. It's yes. speaking to the Tiger King in you and all of, yeah. all of us, yeah, <laughs> all of us totally. have a, a hidden Tiger King <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I, yeah. And not notice, not being aware of that potentiality within us. That's where you get real shadow stuff coming up that causes harm. Like, to, totally. so it's really important to be like, yeah, yep. fucking Tiger King. <laughs> all this. Totally. That's why we would watch it. Cause if they're like, come on, why else would we watch it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, man, Corey, that's a good phrase. Did you come up with that one? Integral universal donor? Uh, no, I, 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 it's, it's out. It's floating around. Oh, that's a good one. That's I'm, a very not, good one. I'm not going to claim credit for it. Oh, yeah, I like that phrase. That's it. That's know, right. Yeah. And and you know what it does, like, for example, here's another, here's just another example. Um, you know, I've been working on for, I don't know, off and on the last year and a half or so, maybe longer, um, this integral appreciation of one of my favorite bands, um, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've got this whole document that yeah. like all his lyrics and and actually I think what it's what it's doing is it's showing Trent Reznor's actual sort of breadcrumb yeah. trail towards enlightenment, yeah. actual you know states of of enlightenment, and it's it's funny because it's not something, it's something that I see again from my cosmic address as I enact his art. I don't know if he sees it the same way from his cosmic address yeah. as art, but he like I see something undeniably real there, and yeah. I see this actual progression through multiple states until he actually arrives at something like yeah. source or home or yeah. or what have you um, yeah. and it's astonishing because i know i wouldn't see that if i didn't have this language available yeah. to me of, yeah. of being able to recognize states of, of consciousness and yeah. just just as one example because this is probably you know uh, other than the i want to fuck you like an animal so other than closer uh, yeah. his his most famous song was the song hurt and I yeah. think that there is a there is a hidden message in hurt that like I've never seen anyone comment on. I've never seen anyone even like pick this up before. And to me, it's like from where I'm sitting, it's bloody obvious. Um, and that's, you know, and I'll, I'll sum it yeah. up in a paragraph. Um, uh, so this is from his his album, uh, The Downward the Downward Spiral, which came mm. out in 95, 94, I think. 95. Um, I know. 94, 94, 94, I think. Yeah. One of my all time favorite albums. Um, so, uh, I'm talking about, uh, Trent moving closer and closer towards something like self-transcendence. Mm -hmm. This sudden break towards self-transcendence is itself foreshadowed in Trent's ultimate psalm of self-destruction, the downward spiral, which after a full hour of descending through layer after layer of despair, desperation, and dissociation, 
the album completely flips its own thesis inside out with an explosion of distortion and a sudden thunderbolt of radical self-acceptance. And the final lyrics in that song are, if I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself, I would find a way. Which is just... <laughs> Yeah. It's it's a level of self acceptance. Again, you've been through mm -hmm. this like brutal hour of mm -hmm. uh, of self deconstruction. Mm -hmm. I mean, just peeling back layer after mm -hmm. layer after layer until nothing is left but just loathing and mi mm -hmm. and misery. And yet, despite it all, there's this flash of recognition mm -hmm. in the very mm -hmm. very final lyrics of of the song. Which again, it's it's like it redeems the entire album. Mm -hmm. This to me is fucking powerful art. Mm, yeah. This is powerful art, and it's a theme that I just haven't seen a whole lot of people pick up on mm. when they're talking about this album and how this album fits into this artist's overall catalog. Right, right, Corey. I imagine I got like to imagine you having a shed that's filled with like corkboard and like notes of on Trent Reznor with like string, you know, tying things together, and you're like integral Sherlock Holmes in there. I'm telling you, it's all connected there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's what's interesting is that like, um, you know, my favorite band, if you can't tell. Heck yeah, man. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're high on my list as well. Um, and uh, but it's interesting, like returning to music like that as we can, we're always maturing and growing, you know, and returning back and seeing new things that we haven't seen before because we couldn't have appreciated it. You know, like that kind of perspective at that time, I couldn't appreciate that you know, kind of thing. Cause where I was, that was more of depressed, angry state anyways, right. you know, so, right. which was really great for that. Exactly. Um, but um, yeah, I, so like you said, kind of like in the integral universal donor kind of thing, being able to go back and, and see uh, different forms of art, no matter what it is uh, and, and appreciating it. Dude, in new you, ways. you made such a killer point right there, which is that, you know, art is not inert. Yeah. It's not inert. It's constantly psychoactive. And again, it's psychoactive. It's psychoactive qualities are completely dependent on the cosmic address that's addressing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you can have a piece of art that's been in your life for say 30 years as, as you know, this album almost has been for me. And I can reflect on how different my interpretation and my experience of the album has been over the years like mm -hmm. when it came out and i was 16 17 years old it hit in a particular way 10 mm -hmm. years later i'm seeing something different in this same work of art and yeah. now that i'm you know a fully middle-aged man with a mustache <laughs> <laughs> um it, it hits different and i see yeah. different themes i'm able to pull something fresh out of it so it's you know that's kind of the amazing thing about art is is it grows with you. It grows alongside you, right? And it actually prompts and reflects growth in different ways um, at different times throughout yeah, totally. your own developmental trajectory. Yeah, and you know, and something that's really interesting for me, just a general rule thus far, is that you know, good art. And I don't mean it doesn't. Again, whether it's silly, fun, or really deep, doesn't tell you what you should feel or think in regardless of developmental level, like it just is what it is. And then of course, you know, if it's created at a certain developmental level and the person of that same developmental level watches it, then it's going to be really synced up, you know? But um, I think that's, what's great is so that because of it was trying to tell you, hit you over the head with it. Like sometimes you see this, like, especially with documentaries these days, like there was a time when Netflix documentaries were, re I really loved them in general, 
Um, and then it got to the point where it's just like, you see the, I see the title of the documentary. I'm like, listen, I already know what you're going to tell me. And I'm not really interested in watching the documentary because you're going to just shove it down my throat. Even if I agree with you, rather than presenting it as an art form, like just write an article instead, yeah. like just write a report and give me the information, like an encyclopedia kind of thing, an investigation. That's great, but that's not art. You know, art moves you in some way, you know? Right. And because of that, I think we can go back to it over and over because Trent, you know, just created downward spiral. He just, it was just, here it is. It's his process. And so it wasn't telling you, you better have this conclusion when you listen to this. It's like, no, here it is. Yep. Turn it on, yep. crank it up if you want. That's like anti-art. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> right. Trying to like force a particular, but it happens. It happens so much. And I've seen that happen. I mean, no, it happens throughout all the, all, all levels, you know, you can see mm -hmm. that, you know, happening in there. I mean, it still happens, especially in postmodern art. Uh, you know, you see that in green meme stuff where it's just like, okay like you could do the same thing with all the same values but make it beautiful and, mm -hmm. and hit me but instead you're trying to make the message more of the important thing and the message is great but not like art right embody it right. inhabit it write the report over here and that'll be equally meaningful dude this i mean this is an important point because this is i think what um a developmental sensibility allows us in terms of how we, again, how we enact our art, because we can look at a particular artifact and we can A, notice how it lands for us in terms of our own development. Like I just said, it's yeah. different when you're 16, then when you're 26, then when yep. you're 46, right? Yep. Um, so there's your own development and that, that art is sort of reflecting different qualities of your own development. But then there's actually your appreciation of like the artist him or herself and their overall developmental trajectory. Yeah. Right. right. So mm -hmm. like with nine inch now, I'll just stick with this example because it's one that I, know, that I know really, really well. When you look at, you know, this guy's work over the span of an entire career, you see very, very clear development. Mm -hmm. And in Trent's case, it was sort of, you know, there's, there's two halves that I see to his career. One was, uh, you know, sort of the path of deconstruction, which then brought him, to a path of reconstruction. And you can see this in his first album. So his first album, Pretty Hate Machine, is basically, I hate myself and I wanna fuck. Then, <laughs> then Broken comes out, it's I hate myself and I wanna kill. Then Downward Spirals, I hate myself, I wanna die. By the time The Fragile comes out, there's no more self to hate. I mean, mm. he literally has songs called Into the Void, mm. right? Where he's, yeah. he, there's, there's something that is just like, he's run out of layers of loathing, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And he's just sort of smeared up against source, right? Mm. He's smeared up against the ground of being like a freaking bug on the windshield at yeah. that point, because he's, mm. he's been through so many sort of deconstructive layers. But then the second half of his career is sort of like taking these shards and fragments, right? that he's just smashed to smithereens throughout his career and reassembling them into something new to the point where now in the 2020s, he's winning, you know, Golden Globes for doing soundtracks for a Disney movie. I yeah, mean, no, it's, that's it's what I was going to say. Like, trajectory. Uh, the, the, yeah, that he that he won a Grammy for the soundtrack of Soul. You know, it should yeah. give you an indication that there's no way that that guy didn't go through something to end up from <laughs> all those albums to there. You would never guess that. You know, yeah. And just being able to appreciate an artist's growth. And this is true for any artist. Just, you can see this in Stuart Davis. You can see, I mean, yeah. use your artist. You can you can track sort of the developmental maturation of, you know, not just 
their expression, but of the actual human being and the artist's intent. Well, that's why I was saying, like, when we when I was saying about that art being an honest way that where we work out our shit and evolve. This is an example of like how why that's the case because it's so easy to see that because it's a really honest space, you know. Typically yep. speaking, now we have to be honest with ourselves too because I think it goes both ways. Like you said, or, or too that like look at ourselves and how we've evolved and like what we were consuming or in what we found entertaining 20 years ago versus 10 years ago. And some of it might be the same. Some of it like carries through and that's like the really good stuff, right? That like, if we still to this day are like appreciate it, regardless of wherever level it's coming from, it was good, good stuff. Um, but there's a lot of things where we are like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, I can't believe I was into that thing, you know, whatever, 15 years ago. So there's some like humbleness there and inhabiting and, and feeling our own evolving process, our own unfolding that's happening right now too. I think that's always really important uh, for inner, for us integral folks is to know that this is continuing because it really opens up this like space to be able to see things and like appreciate the spiral to be, you know, part of a universal donor creation, you know? So that's really oh, relieving and, and exciting. And it can be easy to start having a shadow of being like, forgetting that this is continuing. Right. You know, that even in this moment, that's continuing where right now, there's things we're not seeing about what we're consuming and in five years we'll see it differently and and have a deeper appreciation for it you know that's the amazing uh, thing is that there's always something in the art that we love that is perpetually going over our heads and yeah. we'll catch up yeah. we'll, we'll catch up eventually but there's it, it, it sort of keeps you going right yeah yep going and it, and it keeps you in relationship with in relationship you know with a particular piece of art and noticing how that again how that relationship actually changes over time That's a, which I, yeah. I just find freaking miraculous um you know i think there's another mm-hmm. another way that the integral um stage helps us um appreciate things more deeply is noticing when things are you know there's a number of artifacts out there ryan that i wouldn't quite describe as integral mm-hmm. right I'm not, I'm not i'm not like convinced an integral mind was putting this all together or what have you but there's certain pieces of art that i will just say are very integral friendly right mm-hmm. One of them I'm thinking of, for example, is one of my favorite shows from the last year, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I, yeah, that was one of my favorite, 100%. Yeah, oh, amazing it. show. And the reason I say it's integral friendly is as sort of an, an, an integralist with a developmental point of view, I can see how this show is engaging yeah. red, amber, orange, and green, yeah. all in healthy ways and all folding them it together. did it very well, very well. Yeah. Right? which is something you don't see very often. I mean, the, the most plot lines of the majority of TV yeah. shows and yeah. films out there is some conflict between stages. Now, of yeah. course, the people making the movie wouldn't necessarily describe it that way, but that's really what it is. It's usually a conflict between someone at a higher stage and the evil Nazis down here that Indiana Jones yeah. is trying to defeat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and some, some big part of the quality of that show was just like goodness decency human you know goodness. Human, human goodness throughout that and and there was that like yeah i was so i mean one is just freaking hilarious you know it's just one of the funniest shows i've seen in a while and was so relieved to have a new show like that and i'm like oh so sad when there was no more episodes um but that was also the other thing is just so good natured too even in that, not and the humor had bite to it it wasn't like soft you know goody tissue uh uh, humor, but it, they, yeah, they did an amazing job crafting that show. It, Actually, it, cutting through cynicism, like cutting through like, cynicism. We're going to make a show that cuts through cynicism. That is an accomplishment these days. Huge. Accomplishment, huge. Yeah. And you know, and again, uh, like I was saying, it's not, it's not, 
what I love about the show is that it's holding, for example, like red energy, not yeah. as a negative. Yeah. Like there's room for healthy yeah. red here. In fact, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're playing in any competitive sport, I mean, you kind of need healthy red and you know what I mean? In order to, you know, what's interesting is like, yeah, now you're saying that, like thinking of Ted Lasso, the, that character, there's a, you know, they portrays him as imperfect person too, for mm -hmm. sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Human, very human. Um, but there is like a, we talk about development, but we're talking about waking up. We're not talking about development. That's like different things. Okay. You know, structures of consciousness. This is like, regardless of that. And there's like a bodhisattvic quality to him in a very simple way. That's regardless of developmental level, like, just like, I'm going to try to be good to everybody who's around me as much as possible, like at all costs. And he kind of does that throughout the whole the whole show, you know, and, and that's partly that combination may be why it works so well in terms of being open to different developmental levels. And, and seeing that, just seeing that on a screen, doesn't that make you want yeah. to embody that? that yeah, screen? absolutely. Absolutely. Again, we are recreating here. We are recreating when we watch something like this, we are taking these themes in and, and claiming them for ourselves. Like, yes, this is a quality that either I have or I want more. And of. you know, speaking earlier like what that art does is like we're talking about it because we tend to just think about these things or we enjoy taking these perspectives but like in the, the midst of it it's just immediate again the show's not telling you anything about how you should feel or how you should be anything like that but if you were to ask a person who's really appreciate that show hey how you feel right now tell me about what all the things you're feeling like regardless of the show it wouldn't surprise me to, that they list out these things like they, they would reflect just what you said there even if they're not aware of that and that's what for me is good art is because it just leaves you feeling that way without having told you to, or, or try to coerce you into it. And for sure, that's how I felt, you know, watching that I was like, Oh, we need like more seasons of this right now. Big time. <laughs> and we got one coming down the line, which is, which is know, great. But yeah, so I think, good. I think Ted Lasso played uh, an important role of life coach. Yeah. For a lot of us while yeah. we were sort of quarantined at home, you know, yeah. dealing with dealing with Corona and that's, that, yeah. that was a gift. Absolutely. 100% so, agree with that. Is there anything, uh, you know, any other particular shows or movies? And, you know, I guess what one of the things I want to talk about is what's on the horizon that you're really looking forward to? That's a good question. I felt like it's been a, a little bit of a, I want you to call it a limbo. A little bit. Maybe even a, even a purgatory of sorts, yeah. <laughs> like with, with content where um, just been sitting around and waiting for anything, you know, to come up um, that really captures interest i've been re-watching stuff uh listen i've been re-watching certain things but like ted lasso came up and it was like you know soak it up immediately um uh for all mankind that was Love another one where that was yeah, like you, you and i had a lot of back and forth about that yeah show. and then um and then uh, the other one you recommended uh star trek discovery that was another one that was really refreshing in a lot of ways and and great so i've been enjoying the the disney plus series uh, like they they've seen the you know wandavision was really fresh creatively you know yep. um really interesting you know obviously there's some like there's a lot of postmodernish kind of approaches in some of the marvel <laughs> universes right now which um the loki show coming out seeing the preview like something about that like the aesthetics like almost like a uh what was the will smith uh, alien movie Oh, uh, men in black. After, oh, men in black. I, I was well, like, you know, oh. yeah, like like a men in black. Just like little qualities to it, like yeah. I don't know, like cheeky or something. And uh, I felt I was surprised at seeing the preview for that. I'm like, 
Hmm. I'm like, I actually way more interested in that. So I don't know, you know, like there's just, I'm waiting for things to come out. I know we've been in a lag because production really slowed down. Um, music, there's always things coming out all the time because musicians are kind of a little bit more purists and then that they just create, you know, what they yep. want and then something comes out and you never know when it's going to come out. But I'm tending to look at TVs and movies. So um, yeah, I just like anything, give me anything, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, that'll hit the spot. And I don't really care which level, you know, but how about you? You tend to tend to like have a good eye on, on like what's coming. Yeah. There's, there's a few things I'm looking forward to. Um, so uh, at the end of the year, matrix four is coming out. Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very curious. Super <laughs> curious about that. And I'm not holding, I'm not holding my breath one way or the other. I think it could be mind blowing or maybe I'll be like, Ugh, you know, so I think it's going to be one of the two. I'm either going to be like, whoa, or I'm going to be like, whoa. <laughs> Which, you know, the Wachowskis have only made one movie that didn't really land for me. And that was Jupiter Ascending. And even that, it's pretty to look at. But, you know, it's just the movie didn't really thrill me. Um, hmm. Absolutely everything else they've done, I think, have been flawed masterpieces. Yes, including and especially Speed Racer, which I'm convinced was about 25 years ahead of its time. And uh, is 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 woefully underappreciated. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what Lana does uh, yeah. with Matrix Four. Um, I think this cool. is gonna be, this is going to be really cool. The other one that um, I'm just salivating for, because it's my all-time favorite uh, film series, is the uh, the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. Oh yeah, totally. I heard about that, so I'm I'm, I'm all in. They've invested like a billion dollars um, into the show. Uh, what's I think what's kind of amazing is that it's going to be the seasons are going to have like 24 episodes, 24 hour long episodes, which totally cuts against what everyone else is. Everyone else is doing like nine to 13 episodes for a mm. season. Mm. Uh, so this is they're, they're, they're just dumping a ton of money into it. Uh, a ton of time into it and nice. it seems like they're really gonna let this oh. thing breathe i mean a single season is gonna be 24 hours long what that's, that's i love it that's it's yes. a world i want you know it's one of those movies there's a handful of movies where anytime they're on anytime yep. they're on i will watch them right oh, yeah. we'll, those movies are lord of the rings the very top yeah um pretty much any russell <laughs> russell crowe nice. i love russell crowe movies for some reason that's Master and Commander is one of the most perfect <laughs> movies, and it's a great dad movie, but it's one of the most perfect movies ever made. I'll watch that anytime it's on. I'll watch Gladiator. You, know, you, you remember the Kim Peel sketches where they would do the Liam Neeson bit, the two, their two doormen outside the hotel, and they were like, Liam Neeson's. Liam Neeson's? You bet you're Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Crow my shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a total sucker for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, Lord of the Rings is one of those films where it's like, uh, this is, this and especially is a gentle it, red amber universe that I love losing myself in whenever it's yes, on. Yes, and done at masterful level. See, this is the thing. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, is it the leading edge of consciousness? I don't care. But like, if it's done that well, like they did the movies, it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So yeah, when I saw that, I've just been holding my breath, like, please let this all happen and go through because we need this. We yeah, need this show. Yeah. Oh, you know, um, I heard, so I see you have, um, you have is there Neil Gaiman behind you. Um, Sandman, baby. They're making yeah, Sandman. Yeah. And so Liss has read uh, his books and uh, I'm not as familiar, but I like the vibe of it. Like uh, Lucifer, that comedy show, kind of comedy yep. show on Netflix. I love that kind of thing. He's, and he's uh, right from there. yeah, totally. So I'm very curious. I don't know when it's going to come out, but that'd be one where, like where it could feel like it opened up like a whole new world. I'm, I'm like, 
TV that we can inhabit and get her lost in. No, and, and let me just let me just say, I mean, for anyone who hasn't actually read the Sandman graphic novels, I call them graphic novels because that sounds more grown up than comic books. Um, <laughs> I, but, I think when they're that thick, you can call them a graphic novel. No, and, and I mean, look at this. I mean, you can I mean, these are bigger than Ken Wilber books. Yeah, no, that's a graphic that's, novel. And that's and that's saying something. But, you know, th this series is like as close as I've seen other than some like Alan Moore works it's as close as i've seen to the genre hitting the level of like literature right yeah, i mean it is yeah. so gorgeously written incredibly gorgeously illustrated that i highly highly recommend people read the sandman series um if they haven't already i am um cautiously optimistic about the show having read the comics i'm not exactly sure how they can adapt that or translate it yeah it's, um, it's one of those but, things where um, like it it really depends on on how much care they take in crafting the world and the characters. Um, I'm a I'm a little bit more flexible on this kind of genre because it's my you know uh, guilty pleasure kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, they they made another one of his uh, his works, um, American Gods, uh, into a show. Yeah, and I love the first season, and I haven't got to watch. It the kind of fell off, and I heard season three, but the same way, I really enjoyed the first season. Season two, I kind of just kind of lost track as it. Kind of oh. went up its own ass a little bit. Yeah, well, and let's uh, not not forget that the uh, new season of Stranger Things is coming out, and so okay. I I love Stranger Things. So I got to I got to catch up on this on Stranger Things. And that's get out of here, Corey. How are you not caught up? No, I know, I know. It's it's terrible. I only watched the first season, so I've got Child, okay. Children of the Eighties. Come on, man. We, no, uh, I know. Well, and this is the other thing about art too is this this weird nostalgia effect that it brings with it, and to the point where you know nostalgia is no longer just sort of this subjective experience that's kind of, mm. you know, wrapped in some of the art that we love. Um, it's actually becoming like sort of the point of a lot of art. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. Stranger Things is here to like push the nostalgia button as often oh, yeah. as it can. And nostalgia is such a weird feeling. And, you know, going back to the first movie I, I mentioned the other day, um, Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Here's a movie that came out when I was in high school. It's about kids in high school from 20 years prior kids in high school in the 70s and mm. now i'm watching it again you know 25 years later and feeling just these this compounding layers of nostalgia and what a haunted yeah. feeling nostalgia is and it's a haunting because you're feeling a desire to return to a place you can never actually return to you know i've said a thousand times yeah. in these shows when we're feeling nostalgic we're not actually feeling nostalgic for a particular object or artifact what we're nostalgic for is a view that we had of this uh -huh. object or artifact that yeah. we can no longer have because we are at a different place at a different rung in the ladder and you can't enact the same view the yeah. same way yeah yeah totally so it's this haunted kind of feeling it's like an itch mm -hmm. you can't scratch uh, yeah well and that, and that my observation is that goes in cycles because uh, now you have people who are age are really established as writers and directors and producers and they're like that's what we want to create that's my childhood so let's create that so we get it we get to enjoy that now and then you know decade from now it'll be nostalgic stuff for the 90s that we'll see we'll see a stranger things but 90s version you know and uh, but I'm enjoying that it's it's our time to have the, the movies created for our our nostalgic childhood stuff. What will yeah. the '90s version be? So there'll be like flannel clothes and MC Hammer pants. Oh uh, yeah. Hey, speaking of entertainment, one of the, there's um, a YouTube channel called Weird History that uh, mm. I really enjoy quite a lot, um, and they 
have a series called Timeline um, and they've done the 70s and 80s and the, right now they're doing the 90s and each video is like 20 some minutes long and it's like what happened in 1994. Mm. So the 95 video just came out the other day. So this is like teenage years, you know, for us. And, uh, but it's fat. It's, I love it. So I recommend going check it out. Speaking of nostalgia, go to the seventies, eighties and nineties. And this is another form of entertainment. That's totally different in educational info, info containment things, um, that came online. I feel like maybe when we were teenagers, a little tiny bit, but like grew over time, like discovery channel came along. That was like, Whoa, that's, that was our avenue that, but now you before it went ancient aliens. Yeah. I remember the ancient alien turn dude like yeah. where like I was really interested in alien stuff but then after enough episodes of seeing the crazy haired dude and that <laughs> meme that got generated I don't know therefore aliens which is really funny now because of all the stuff coming out that's just like overwhelmingly oh. Oh, like uh when are we going to get on board with this you know that's but right. yeah I remember that time I was like hmm I think it's taking a different turn that's uh, right well, no, there's a whole developmental track to the History Channel, which is pretty funny, which I also remember when it first came out. And it was actually, you know, I had like documentaries on it. It was which is cool. Up, right? Yeah. I had actual documentaries on it. And then it turned it had this weird phase for a few years where it was just like all Hitler all the time. Yeah, that was total. I remember that it was just nothing like... but Hitler documentaries. <laughs> that's all. That's like all they had. All and the then it started getting into like the really weird crap and being like, why is this on a channel called the History Channel? yeah those are the, the strange kind of the degradation the, of the, i know yeah but for me now that genre is best handled by youtubers actually overall totally like and there's I so many to, good channels that yeah. are like that that i really let's, love let's talk about some of our favorite channels because um because you're right i mean youtube is a perfect example of this because here is something uh you know there are a trillion different things out there all competing for your attention and yeah. it can be hard to find good channels good sources good um you know, fun, fun things to do on YouTube that are actually yep. sort of enriching. Um, yeah. You know, for example, I just watched a series on there that was uh, going through the video game years, uh, beginning with like 1976. That's and then great. year by year, here's That's all the great. games that came out, here's the platforms. And it was fascinating and very educational to just be able to kind of run through my own childhood like that. Yeah. And there's a number of very educational um, YouTube channels that I go back to at least once a week. Uh, the two I'll name right now are... Uh, uh, Veritasium, which is uh. a wonderful science channel, physics, um, lots of physics, but fascinating. Uh, and another one called uh, Smarter Every Day, which is another um, oh, science yay. channel. I find that when I go to YouTube, I really, really like uh, sort of orange sciencey things. I'm not big into like watching TEDx presentations, stuff like that. I like watching videos that help me understand, you know, yeah. sort of the, the physical properties of the universe and. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, totally. On by that. Yeah, yeah. Throw another couple on out there. Um, so Weird History Channel is really great. Do a great job of that. Um, Half as Interesting is a shorter one, like five minutes um, mm. that are these like nice little chunks about really fascinating stuff um, and uh, fun, educational. And then uh, what was the, uh, Windover Productions is the same guy, but like longer format, like 20 or 30 minutes. And then real real life lore is that one real life lore yeah and these are like pretty big channels like you know kind of millions mm -hmm. uh, but done really well like they have the ability to do it and then all these people actually from this has emerged its own kind of netflix thing called uh curiosity hmm. curiosity streaming i think so curiosity streaming let me just look at 
um, curiosity stream. So out of this, all these, uh, like several of these YouTubers are part of this platform and it's really cheap, 20 bucks a year. And you get even longer format docu documentary making about all kinds of subjects. So for me, this has emerged out of those times that we talked about as the clear league leaders, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of this kind of content. And a lot of them are like, you know, they're, um, might be youngerish, you know, like uh, maybe 30s, early 30s, something like that kind of uh, crowd, but like super geek nerdy. I think YouTube, what's great is obviously, so these are, I think, like bigger audience, like million, millions of people. So I recommend them. But then, you know, YouTube is just great because you can find the niche stuff that you're really into done really, really well. Oh Randomly, sometimes I watch a, a channel called Foolish Baseball, and it's just some super nerd who will pull out these amazing little interesting threads of stories of stats and things like that into a really engaging presentation because I like baseball. So every once in a while, I'll turn it on. But it's like, where the hell else am I going to get that thing? Dude, I there, there's a dude on, on I, I'm totally vibing with you right now. There's a dude, yeah. there's a weird niches, right? Yeah. The dude on YouTube, I love watching. And his whole thing is what he does is he gets a hold of old military rations i know like i've watched him world war ii yes, rations. i've watched right? them and he will open them up <laughs> and yes. eat them but when they're safe to eat right he's got this whole methodology to determine yeah them. and he eats them and he reports his finding and i i cannot stop watching this dude I, I went down the rabbit hole with that guy one night and it's really done really well it's not just like it's not just like a like a jackass you know right. it's not like that no it's like you, it's, really it's really informative. It's topic. It's really right? informative. Like, wow, he found this stuff. He really, really cares about it. He has a lot of information. And then, of course, it's just fascinating. It's like, holy shit, this guy's gonna eat beef stew from 1920. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him eat biscuits from the Civil War, and I'm just like, this is. I feel like you're inventing a whole new school, like, like yeah. gastronomic archaeology or. Something. Yeah, I mean, or I think what's great like here is that, like, uh, oh. Um, uh, who's the astronaut guy? Uh, or not astronaut. He worked for, he, oh, I mean, just, this is really great. Um, the glitter box guy, glitter bomb. Um, he was an engineer and asked Mark Rober. This guy is mm. wonderful. Three, yeah. He's got millions of you. He used to be an engineer at, uh, at, uh, NASA and, um, super, super fun, but also educational. Like, I um, mean, he had this thing, which is what he's really known for people were stealing stuff off of his uh, porch and other people around him and catching on cameras. And he wanted to find a way to, you know, get a little revenge, um, but done like through science. And so he ended up creating this crazy glitter bomb box. It's like in a box, it's in a package. It looks like a total real package, but he can trace it all. He can track where it's going. It has four cameras inside that the people can't see that are cells, cell phones transmitting the data. And when they open it, it just spews all this fine glitter everywhere in the car. It That's sprays- evil. It sprays out fart smell stuff. That's really horrible. Yeah. It has home alone in there. Like, take that, you filthy animal. Like everything. And and this is fun. He also created this massive squirrel um, obstacle course in his backyard. I saw that one. Yeah, this is I him. saw that one. So these kinds of things are really amazing. Where like, I feel like I learn a lot. Like if this was around when I was in high school, totally. I would have learned way more. Totally. Embered it, internalized it. So I think this is probably a gift of the age we're in is that like just so much cooler ways and entertaining ways to learn about stuff yep. and to allow people who are really geeky into it to create the content, to deliver it to us. So YouTube, 
right now. Hard to hard to beat in terms of what it does. Dude, YouTube, I mean, it's it's crazy because it can be so unexpected, right? You come yeah. across something, you're like, I didn't expect to enjoy this as much as I did. And I just find I can't take myself away from it. So, like, for example, another, you know, I, I often find myself watching videos of people who take old machines, old lathes, things yeah. like that that are rusty and run down. Yeah. And I watch them completely take it apart lovingly and clean all yeah. the parts and get rid of the rust and reassemble it and repaint it. And it's like all talk about appreciation. Like, yeah. Like what you were we were talking about where we started with. Yeah. Like the appreciation is immediate, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You get an aesthetic hit from it. You get sort of this engineering hit from it. Like I I want to understand how these things yeah. work and all these pieces come to I mm. want to understand you know, one of the things I love watching about the guy who eats military rations is like the history of it. Like, yeah. oh, I lived in the town in Massachusetts that has yeah. the factory that created right. these candies that right. went into these rations. And, you know, and it's the same thing I do actually when I watch a movie. I get really turned on by sort of yeah. the lower right quadrant. So whenever I watch a movie, I always immediately go to IMDb. I look up every person who was involved in that movie. I All the actors, I want to see what their careers were. I want to see like what was going on in the director's life. And, you know, and yeah. it, even for like crappy, obscure, you know, I'm, I, yeah. I grew up on Mystery Science Theater. So I've watched, uh, yeah. I've learned how to appreciate really bad movies, right? There's yeah. a place for that too. And, yeah. you know, because all of these, the, the worst movie that you're going to watch was a labor of love for somebody. Yeah, and totally. I'm so curious about that love and about that labor yeah. but I just find myself researching these guys with like ultra fine granularity because it's like I want to know what drove you to make this weird ass movie like what was your vision why did you think there was yeah. an audience for this? <laughs> you know uh, yeah I, mean? I get so fascinated by this I think but that's great though is like these days like we get to be more intimate where like man when we were growing up if you had a behind the scenes in the DVD or right. like, I don't even know if they had that stuff with VHS tapes before DVD. I can't remember, but that was like, whoa. But now we can really get intimate with how it was all made. And that's one of my favorite parts about uh, watching shows and movies is like find out all the additional stuff, you know, from uh, surrounding it. Yep. Yeah. Well, totally. yeah. Yay for YouTube. Yeah, man. No, YouTube's YouTube's a, a, and, uh, a great and scary platform. I, I can plug my new YouTube channel since we're uh, uh, learning F and language. Yeah, look, I, I I tell you, man, that article Anne is still like <laughs> it's it, it allows imagination. It does allow imagination. <laughs> Learn, let's imagine that was intentional. So you fill in with what you want. But hey, if you're in, see, this is an example. Like if this is what you're doing, learning languages, well then there's there's YouTube channels. <laughs> no, and I highly recommend people check this out, Ryan. I think that you're tapping into like a really cool and fun way um, for people to- um, Thanks, dude. To learn languages. I mean, I appreciate that's, it. That's, that's, that's really cool. And I know that you have had this, you know, practically a lifelong fascination with with language. Yeah, and I watch, you know, there's I watch a lot of other language uh, learning YouTubers and stuff. And this is like a whole world. There's a whole community, a whole world, but that's what I'm into. But like, I feel like whatever you're into, you can find a loving community who's just passionate about Absolutely. that content, creating, engaging, entertaining Yep. videos, you know? Well said. Nice, dude. Well. All right, dude. Anything else we want to throw on the table? I think we threw a lot on there. Feels yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess the you know my final invitation for people is again if you haven't already, uh, go watch the Grey's and Grit movie. We really yeah know definitely. What you guys think and if you liked it, um, you know let's keep those user scores trending up on places yeah. like Metacritic and on uh, Yeah, balance Leave out those. 
It makes a big difference. It really, as particularly for indie films like this, it makes yeah. a really big difference. Yes. Um, so we encourage you to to watch, to leave a review, and you know, come to the Integral Life community and uh, let us know what you thought. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool, man. Cool, right, Ryan. Well, that was fun. A lot of fun, dude. Had a good time. Well, yeah, thanks man. everybody for being here too. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Toodle. Bye.